Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Bonney is a proud partner of Teaching Artists Guild. Teaching Artists Guild is a national network of teaching artists and arts education leaders. They've been around since 2013, and Teaching Artists Guild, or TAG, has provided resources and communication about the growing field through their website, databases, and quarterly magazine. They also feature a pay rate calculator and have recently launched an interactive map of the field. Oh, and they also offer dental and vision discounts across the whole U.S. of A. That's amazing. You can visit them at teachingartistsguild.org to learn more about all this fabulous stuff. Tag, where the resources are abundant. Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is Episode 27, Act 2, Michael Wiggins, Shifting Systems with Rigor and Love, recorded March 30th, 2019 in Brooklyn, New York. All prudent kids all screaming about irrevocability. Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches, and fight our own way free. Cause the rules don't lie, but they don't apply to people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Now they say it's all decided, all divided, all laid out. And the pushcart man with a three-part plan can't understand what you're shouting about. But when the past they plow, the lives allowed are the only roads you can see. Just remember who walls were built to fall for old people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Hey, hey, TA listeners. Thanks for listening. And remember, tell your peeps to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes out monthly. Also remember to follow us on the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. That's how we grow our community. And we're so happy you're a part of ours. Pop those earbuds in. All right, so you're going to hear the conclusion of my conversation with Rianne Hutchings about leading a professional development retreat with Welsh artists developing an artist mentor program. It was really interesting. Well, it was fascinating for me, and I think it's a really interesting model for us to be watching uh, globally. So recently, <laughs> I'll tell you this story. Uh, recently, one of the mentors reached out on Facebook. Ah, what a networking tool. Um, and she was looking for um, ways to connect her mentors uh, to specific resources and went to the, the greatest place where you can get a lot of input. And um, I got to tell you, when I saw that post, I, well, I felt very, very, very proud. That first moment on day two, yeah. when we were talking about, you know, well, what, what is this? What is this then? Yeah. What are we doing? Uh-huh. And th- and th- we had a really kind of like frank, open, honest conversation mm-hmm. about well, we don't know yet, and what what do you think it should be? And is it coaching? 
Well, maybe it's not coaching. Right. Is it mentoring? Well, yeah, maybe it's a bit of both. And oh my! And some people who had experienced coaching before mm. were saying, yeah, I can see how coaching would work. And other people were going, oh my God, I don't know anything about coaching. Mm-hmm. Going, okay, calm. It's all ca- we can help with that, but yeah. maybe it's not all about coaching. So then you could just see people going, right, okay. I can, mm-hmm. this is something completely different. Right. I know where I am now. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, um, well, a couple of things that I still like was learning for, from, from my perspective, being able to come the day, the night before, mm. you know, sort of settle into the space. We had that delicious dinner yeah. and everybody I didn't realize that not everybody knew each other. So yeah. it was a really great way to, for people to sort of get to know each other in a very relaxed setting um, with, you know, like I said, delicious food, a little bit of wine and that just loosened everybody. Yeah. Up. So that first day of working really was like, how do we become a community? That's yep. ultimately, like, and it was a lot of introspection, but it was a lot of sharing. Yes. So there was a lot of community building that was happening um, in, in throughout the day and stitched throughout the day. And so I felt like then y'all were like, I was so tired. <laughs> you were really tired. Yeah. <laughs> but after dinner, we're like having wine and people are like, let's watch YouTube. Let's watch. Oh, this is my son's video. This is my, you know, and it was just, it was brother. really beautiful <laughs> to watch your brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there, there, there's a moment where I was like, oh, you guys are like bonding. This is really great. I love this. I'm going to bed. (laughs) (laughs) But this is great. And so I felt like people felt super comfortable with each other. So I I agree with you. I think going away, which is such a luxury. It is a luxury. Um, We never do it, do we? No, we we don't do it enough. Oh, should we do that? Oh, no, actually, we don't have time. Or maybe we'll just meet at your office. It'll all be fine. (laughs) Or we're going to like a conference, which Mm. is still work. It's not a way you're in a hotel yeah. or you're, you know, where we were really in literally in the middle of what yeah, I felt like is the, nowhere. We were, we were in the middle of nowhere. We're in the middle of nowhere. There's no light pollution whatsoever. Nope. Even like it's across dark. the mountain. It was dark. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, all we had was each other. Mm. Um, and there was no weirdness. Right. There was no. like, everybody was getting along. Yeah. It was really, it was really good. It was like even... Even maybe some of the slightly shyer members of the group, it was lovely mm-hmm. to see them like really come into focus yes. across day one. And even maybe if they weren't speaking out so mm-hmm. much, you you shaped the day really beautifully so that there was enough opportunity to kind of do smaller group work and maybe do your own little bit of thinking and then share that with someone who maybe you hadn't met before mm-hmm. the night before. But mm-hmm. actually that was really nice too because you're give, sharing it with somebody. They, they don't know anything about you, so there's no judgment. There's... And yeah, there was a lot of generosity um, in the room. Uh, I think I think partly because a lot of people were going, we've really wanted to do this mm. for a long time. And here we are. Oh my gosh, right. this is amazing. And also, you know, just I just saw the trust and respect for, for you grow throughout the, the... Yeah, no, seriously, throughout the... You know, because again, I brought in... I've I've brought Courtney from New York, yeah, from the New Victory, yeah. You know, none of you know who what what that is or what or what's going to happen, and mm. they were all a little bit like, okay, you know, it 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 can happen a lot in our country. Mm. I would say where um, people come in, people get brought in from the outside because they are like the bigger experts, and we don't have that expertise in Wales, mm. and there can be quite a lot of mistrust around that. So I think there was a little, uh, you know. 
I didn't pick up anything because all the way along I've been going, look, this is somebody that I really respect. Mm-hmm. I th- I think this is the right well, thing for Wales. Well, they trusted you, right? They so trusted me. you're saying yeah. that, then, you yeah. know, that makes sense, yeah. But it was But it's lovely. true, I came out of the nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> but it was so lovely to see that just people trusting you so much and like by day two they were like right putty in your hands because (laughs) they were going yeah Courtney's just got this whole thing held for us and she's really holding us in a beautiful generous gentle way and you know she's she's watching the room she's and she's uh, you you read the room so brilliantly like that was exactly what needed to happen on day two Mm. to go okay I had this plan we're not going there we're going to do this instead you know (laughs) That was exactly what yeah, needed to so happen. Yeah, so we got right. We rolled up our sleeves and got mm-hmm. right into. All right, well, let's let's decide what are some of the th- what are some of the ideas that uh, or uh, what what did I break it down? <laughs> I don't even remember because I was so yeah. in it. But I, uh, there, so there we was looked a, at we oh we did the roll on the wall. Yeah, we did the roll. So we on did the do wall. that part yeah. of it, and then I was like, well, we could also do some forum theater. And yeah. I was really sort of like, well, let me. I'm trying to read. Okay, we could yeah. do that. No, no, no. We want to. We want to keep moving. Okay. Yeah. So we we did the roll on the wall, which I thought was really important. And um, there's just a great image now that I have of you all looking at the, you know, because we split Fantastic. you out to two groups, and then you looked at the other groups. Um, uh, artist mentee. What the what was some of the the things that they were thinking, feeling, doing, um, that were written on the inside of the, the ginger man body, um, or the ginger person body, and um, uh, what what sort of messages or outside forces on the uh, external of the body that they're receiving, um, and then through that work, it was like, well, what do we think that they need? Yeah, and so we had so we had brainstormed some ideas there, and then later we brainstormed um, very specifically what are some. Um, qualities of a good mentor yeah right um any activity ideas yeah and actions and actions, there and, you, and somebody yeah. asked me what's the difference between actions and activities yeah. and i was like well actions are like uh sending an email like a check-in or mm. setting up a coffee or you know it's like those kinds of actions yeah. where you're letting them know that you are thinking about them yeah as opposed to activities that the program has yeah um and other kinds of actions like that like connecting somebody with mm-hmm. somebody else or blah 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 um so they generated all these great ideas and then it was like well now it's like now i just need to set you all up and i literally would like check my email <laughs> yeah or i would check my email i took a little nap <laughs> <laughs> like slacking off on the job no but while you all were working so you split into four four pairs yeah and you each took a piece but it was generated by you i just helped you sort of figure yeah. out like yeah. how to get to the things and then i gave you times and then i would call you back <laughs> yeah, um so and i good. and you know obviously i was also thinking okay what is the next step while since i was still kind of making it up a lot as we go and realizing the time and trying to make well, sure that everything uh, yeah, you happened you're making it up you weren't making it up you <laughs> no, you, you're you, right, you you're were right. you were kind of just riding that trajectory and mm-hmm. going okay we've gone that way right we need to do mm-hmm. we could do that we could do that i think that's the way yeah. you, you stood up in the middle of that day and you were like okay should we do this should we do? i'm gonna make an executive decision <laughs> we're gonna do this and i was like great because we needed that yeah. we needed that well because i knew if we didn't do that piece it would still be a question mark so if we did the roll on the wall then everything else was going to come along yeah Yeah. and and it was really great to see the kind of um like you said the people who didn't necessarily know each other or or interact the day before they were working together in these pairings to to Mm. figure out and you know puzzle piece um a particular strand that we had identified and um 
uh, and we're really like passionate about it and really like attacking yes. it, attacking it and troubleshooting. And I was really, the whole time I was very, very impressed mm. by each and every person there and all their different experience and points of view and big questions that they were asking. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so from your, your perspective, what happens, well, what happens ne- next for this program? Well, so we've now got a year to run the program. Um, so by ne- this time next year, mm-hmm. they will have all done some mentoring coaching. Right. Um, each artist is attached to an organization as well because I didn't want to, I really wanted to keep the organizational link. Mm -hmm. So my next job is to meet with each individual artist and their organizational pair um, and say, right, okay, so this is where the program's going. How does that work in your context? Mm -hmm. And how will you as an organization support the artist to to find mentees? Or is there a particular project that you are going to use our our coaching mentor around or how's that going to work and how are you going to be um piloting it um we've also we've already got a whatsapp group set up yay um so you know everybody left the two-day retreat saying we want to be active in this Mm -hmm. we don't we really want to help to make stuff yes so we've got a doodle poll set up already. Um, and That's great. Yeah, so t- for, for a meeting online, mm-hmm. we're going to be looking at like how far have we got with things. Mm-hmm. One, one of our artists is looking at the redesign. He, mm-hmm. he suggested a redesign Such of the tap tool. Such a good idea, uh, which I will want to steal. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> Borrow. Um, definitely. <laughs> um, so he's going to conceptualize that. And, and then another one of our artists is looking at some coaching questions. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can share that with everybody and talk to them about different coaching methodologies. Mm-hmm. Just as a, not because that's how we're necessarily going to run every session, but just as a, a um, passing on that knowledge, mm-hmm. um, because there are some really good you know, ways to do that. And right. there might be points where, I mean, I found myself at one point um, because I've been, I've trained as a coach. Mm-hmm. So in one of the, when we were doing the tap tool, I immediately went into coaching mode and was asking, you know, powerful questions of my partner mm-hmm. because he was going, I think this, I think that. And I was going, so what could help you do that? Or is there anyone out there who you think could be someone with some knowledge that could really help you with that? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so immediately there are, you know, there are questions right. that as uh, when you've been trained as a coach, you come back to and you think, Oh, these are the points where exactly. I could really ask those questions. Right. So it feels already like it's not just me. Yeah, There's a shared leadership group. Mm-hmm. So already we've created our leaders that, you know, that thing that I was looking for, mm-hmm. like how do we empower our individual artists, our freelance artists to be leaders. Well, you know, we've kind of, we're on that first step of the pathway, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Um, so yeah, w- I mean, I'm, I'm a great person for process. I like to take things one step at a time. Mm-hmm. I think that really helps. Mm-hmm. So we need to get this pilot done. You know, we need to run, let it run its course. Right. See what comes up. There will be things that come up. There will be challenges. There will be things that don't work so well. Mm-hmm. We need some learning at the end of it. And then we can go, right, okay. We've got a potentially something that works. Mm-hmm. We've tested it in a few different places. Right. I think all our artists will probably have different approaches or slightly different approaches. Although we talked a lot as well about how do we standardize. And I don't mean 
so everybody does it in the same way but what what are the things that make it a project make it a program right so what you know is there like when the when the organizations put a call out for for mentees is there some language that everybody uses right so it's the same so thing cohesive. so it feels right. cohesive mm -hmm. and i think that's a really good thing mm -hmm. so just keep keep going this is part of something bigger yes um i know i talked about the micro mm. and having um and uh you know disrupting systems at the macro yeah so the more firm those micro pieces the program how the mentors are going to work how the organizations are supposed to support etc yeah. the more those pieces get solidified that there's going to be this ripple effect i think that could happen up into systems and how especially because it is countrywide yeah um that those organizations that are participating, I think they're going to have, cause they also go to conferences, right? There's, yeah. there's going to be conversations around it. There's just going to be a shift. And from an uh, American or U S perspective, we don't, we don't have this on a national scale. Uh, granted, I know we're a larger country, a but country. <laughs> um, we don't even have this in, in terms of the field. We may have some portions, obviously the new victory does do this work for its own, um, uh, teaching artists and we also use a lot of those same skills when we're coaching or um, mentoring or uh, teach, working with um, uh, classroom teachers in, yeah. in this way but there's um, there's something to watch here yeah. and so I'm thinking that it would be really great um, for us to come back right and I mean not just I mean like Courtney comes back but I mean like that, that we can talk again this mm -hmm. time next year to find out where where are you now um, so, so my last question to you is exactly that. What, um, where, where do you hope at the end of the pilot year? What are you, what's your hope for the next, uh, phase of this project? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I hope that, well, I know what we'll have is six examples of what happened when those artists worked with organizations mm -hmm. and mentored or coached other artists so I hope we'll have some really concrete concrete examples of practice mm -hmm. um, and how it worked in different ways. And I know that what will happen is those artists and I will come back together, hopefully, and have a really good rummage around what happened, kind of pull out all that learning, mm. all that really good stuff yeah. that comes out. I What I would love to do then, I mean, we were talking a little bit, we were hearing about your new Victory Teaching Artist Ensemble. Mm. I was getting very excited about that. <laughs> I was kind of going, oh my God, could we have like a Wales participatory artists ensemble who, you know, who, mm -hmm. who weren't, it wasn't that they were separate for them from the organizations, but they're another strand mm -hmm. alongside the organizations. And mm -hmm. many of them might work with the different organizations, but mm -hmm. actually they also have an identity and mm -hmm. a voice of their own. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't that be interesting? And I think, you know, we, we, with our six artists that we're working with at the moment, um we've got a team of potential leaders there so thinking about then maybe being able to and I of course I always have to go back and raise some money at the end right. of each each project mm -hmm. find some more money from somewhere else like what are we going to do like mm -hmm. is there a way to raise some money then to say well now those six artists are the trainers so mm -hmm. maybe they're then training they're going out and doing their own set of training right. and maybe also within that then we have a little we were talking a lot about like peer peer led learning mm, um mm -hmm. yeah. and you know could there be like some sessions of peer led learning throughout this program yes. which we need to find out if that's possible mm. but um 
that that idea that there's a touchstone for those freelance artists to go back to and um and they can find their peer-led learning they can also be mentored if they want to um I just think that's it just strengthens the whole infrastructure of the practice and it's it's always been something that's missing for me mm. so it feels like we could be on a journey to finding that in Wales I don't know I'm always a little bit more optimistic than I should be <laughs> but hey nothing would happen otherwise that's yeah. true no you're definitely like I called you a butterfly <laughs> and then I was like no no you're a bumblebee <laughs> <laughs> right i was like oh no you're like you're making stuff happen and you're pollinating and you're oh. you're weaving and making things happen yeah so i'm i'm <laughs> so impressed by you oh, and it's been really you. a pleasure to get to know you over the course of this year yeah. and now this this week being with you and and being so well embraced oh. um you know it's it's i have felt so taken care of this entire trip kutched into wales kutched. Yeah. oh kutched i love kitsch. I love, <laughs> I love it um but yeah i feel like you know now mm. i've never been to wales before and i feel really comfortable here you'll be back i, w- I will be will. back the definitely. sheep will be calling you i love the sheep i miss <laughs> the little sheep um, do you have any any last things that you want to say before we, we oh, I wrap s- up? I want to say like a huge thank you for coming, for like going on this crazy journey with me. Um, and also a huge shout out to Lindsay, who has been in, in on so many Skypes with mm-hmm. loads and loads of advice. So, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. It's your, you know, you've come here, mm-hmm. Courtney, but <laughs> she's right behind you. Yeah, you know, right she's right behind me. you. And yeah. she, she's been so supportive all the way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, thanks, New Victory. Mm-hmm. Thanks, New Victory team. You rock. <laughs> and you're welcome back here anytime. Well, Diochen Bauer. Oh. Thank you very much. Well, you're very welcome. <laughs> So many, many things have happened since last we spoke. Hmm. The current impeached president was acquitted by a Republican Senate in a sham trial. Hmm. The climate is changing faster than I really think I ever thought possible. Um, Yeah, recently it was 65 degrees in Antarctica. What? It's just not right. What else? Uh, the Iowa caucus was a ridiculous mess. Unbelievable. Yeah. Now, normally I engage with all of this politically, and I have been doing so a little bit on Twitter, but in general, I'm not really, I'm not really engaged. I'm disengaged. Um, grief has looked very different for me than the last go around, and I'm uber aware of the importance of self-care and self-preservation. And sometimes um, sometimes I'm doing that in very positive ways. And sometimes I don't even realize that I'm um, disconnecting. And so I just wanted to let everybody know that I am recording this right now at an undisclosed location in Florida at the Hermitage Artist Retreat. I'm overlooking a turquoise water bay watching some beachgoers looking for shark teeth fossils and setting up their umbrellas and blankets and such. Um, I'm hoping to have some creative time, some big thinking time, but really just um, 
disconnecting from all the things that are challenging and actually finding a way to access um, the pain that I um, am very good at putting away um, and not dealing with. Um, granted, it's been only like, it's been less than two months. So, you know, it's been two months. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's fresh. Um, but this, this right here might just be what's needed for my soul. So in this episode, this conclusion of our conversation, Michael and I talk about self-care as well as some arts education positions he has held including his current one as Director of Engagement and Education at Pier 55. Now, recently there was a big announcement that went out and they renamed it Little Island. And it's being built right now. And Michael will tell you all about it. And it will open in 2021. Here is Episode 27, Act 2, Michael Wiggins, Shifting Systems with Rigor and Love. There's so many places we haven't gone yet. There's so many. All right, let me tell you the, the, the broad topics I'd like to discuss. Broad topics? <laughs> we're, we're, oh. This is back to you. We're zooming back in. Okay. One, I want to know about your experience at the New Victory. What was, um, you know, what are some like fond memories that you have, challenges and questions? And then I'd like to talk about your book. Okay. Okay. Where do I start? Uh, with whatever you want to start. Where should I begin? I will, I will so I think you. the New Victory, of course, was a was a uh, a place in where which I was formed as a professional teaching artist, um, and also I think where I got a lot of my lessons about administration and how to work with teaching artists and 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 uh, design programs, and uh, support an ensemble of of, of practitioners. Um, it is where I learned the language of the field and where I learned how the work is delivered in various contexts um, in partnership with schools, uh, trying to figure out how you uh, describe and, 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 and implement a mission, describe a mission publicly uh, and implement it on the ground and the, the, the connections and the disconnections between what you're talking about and what is happening. I think that under the leadership of Edie Dimas, I learned about uh, compassionate leadership and sharing responsibility, authentically sharing power with uh, circles of teams. Um, I learned about the power of absence and the importance of keeping your mouth shut when things are moving along and coming in only when necessary. Mm. Um, I learned about trusting your staff. I watched her do that with you guys. Um, and I think evidence of that, you know, and is that you then moved on to, 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 to fill that role. Um, in a new way um, and distinguish yourselves as leaders of that space. Mm. Uh, she was always very kind to me in a real way in that she forgave me my foibles and my uh, idiosyncrasies and saw value in me and would defend my, my presence and participation when I think others would have been like, get that dude out of my room um, because he's rude or he's emotional today. Um, and I think that that has given me the ability to tolerate people who are not necessarily like doing what they're supposed to do, but are actually pointing in the right direction. And there was more than one of 
person in that room who was somebody else would have been like, get them out. You know, I'm not like the only person who was <laughs> problematic in his approach to interacting with other human beings. Mm. Um, and t- somehow she allowed that space, the people in that space to flourish. And I think it was by acknowledging the fact that this is, or showing, demonstrating through her elevation of the work. It's the first time it felt like an uh, like a practice to me. Mm. You know, that there, are, yeah, it's not just an artist in a room doing whatever they want, but like there are ways to approach it. Words and what you call things, um, we need to be careful of. It's where I learned how to plan a lesson, uh, an arc of a lesson. It's where I learned how to fold that lesson into a program. We created to the enrichment team um, felt listened to and that is something that we were asking and she came back with a a, 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 a space for that and it, she took her time doing it mm-hmm. um, so she was a lot of listening and then it was like here's the proposed space based upon what I've heard is what it felt like and mm-hmm. now you have real power to do it and I'm not even mm-hmm. telling you what to do just the way lesson plans were created mm-hmm. there it was the first time you know you usually if you're you get a gig you write a lesson plan and you wrote a lesson plan and then you do it you know, and somebody might look at it and say something, but there, there was this back and forth. And so you, you would work in a team, make a lesson, you know, look at, look at a product, get whatever information you had about what we were, what we were trying to get young people ready to see and interact with, and then pull out the themes, have this large open space for conversation around it and feelings based on the available data, then go and make a plan. This is how we could intersect. This is how we could engage with this work. This is, these are the ideas and how we could activate them. And you make a plan with a team, make a proposal, show it to another team then they feedback mm-hmm. and then you have to go and you know take that feedback and make adjustments and then they took that and before it was ready say it's not ready now you guys did all this work but we're administrators we're also educators so we're going to take it to the next step and we're going to clean it up and give it back to you mm-hmm. and then we'll all check the boxes and that'll be the plan and if there's anything difficult in here we're going to do some training so that everybody on this team can implement this work Anybody can teach this lesson plan. We'll show you how to do rolls, you know, jumps or whatever. Do some sort of geometric. Th- uh, I remember one lesson plan where Seth and Christina had to teach everybody how to do some uh, things related to circus arts mm-hmm. and our, our physical theater because we didn't all have that in our practice. And that's like mind blowing. Like y- you're not only going to let us work on the plans, but you're also going to give us what we need to expand our practice. So now I can take this and now that I've learned these new techniques and words and vocabulary and so I can take this into other stuff, I can use that again. It's like a brilliant way. It was really absolutely a group of people teaching and learning together where we are also learning things and then going off. It's just circular. And that is love. That's what I mean by like a, a real space of love. Like not treating us not like just situational you know, people who are brought in and are disposable, but like we've carefully chosen you and we're going to give you everything you need to be better and we're going to honor you and respect your knowledge in this space and then we're going to do the same thing when we go into a classroom so all the guiding principles that we came up with about honoring the individual and their prior knowledge and experience which are things i quote now and carry now and take with all that stuff is was circular it happened in the room it happened the way you're treating staff and it also is the way you're working with young people and it's the way you're working with so if it's not if that circle isn't there, then you know it's it's just garbage. It's a lie. Like, so, th- 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 cre- and I am highly aware now 
as an administrator and 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 you know in my previous incarnations of how difficult it is to keep that space to establish it and then maintain it because it costs money too yeah it's like why are we paying them to come and sit and chat for another hour you know i know somebody's asking that question like we're actually going to pay them to sit in the conference room and drink water and talk about their work like why do we need them to do that they can just go out in the field and teach this stuff can't they you know why are they writing the plans why aren't you guys just writing them yourselves don't you know more why are we training classroom teachers shouldn't they know how to do this stuff already why are we bringing in everything we need shouldn't the schools have it's like oh god yeah and again we go back to how the system is just jacked up that is the question around like how do you how do you remain responsive how do you build a culture of how you work with Again, a team of teaching artists who, you know, you want to feel like your organization is their home base and you can't do that by treating them like, no. what did you call them? Um, situational. Situational. Throwaways, expendable. Awful. Yeah, you have to love them. You have to pay yes. them what they're worth. You have to pay them for their time. I mean, I've come into places where it's like we have planning, you know, expected to come into the office for a meeting. It's like, and you're paying them. Y'all did this for free? It was just part of the fee. Are you crazy? No. Like, no. Or those mandatory meetings that get set like a a week out. Yeah. Or a couple days out. Crazy. And you're not getting paid. Yeah. That's. I'm not coming. And and then you're going to penalize somebody for not coming when they are managing multiple organizations and schedules. No. We have a whole chart. We say, here's when everything's already scheduled. Right. At the top, in May for the next year. Here you go. On the other hand, it is it is behoove is you know it behoove the teaching artists to get hip to the idea that things cost money. So and to not get mad when they can't get what they need if they didn't ask for it before mm-hmm. they before they started. So and and just to understand what their administrator is up against. Yeah. So we have to create systems and pay structures that honor and love our teaching artists. But teaching artists really need to be aware of what they need. People need to educate themselves about w- w- what is actually happening in a room. So, yeah. if, you know, you're working for an organization as a teaching artist. You're working for that organization. You need to understand that organization's mission. You need to understand that y- you have to communicate with your administrator and that your administrator is there to support you. And I see that not happening mm-hmm. in a lot of places. You know, people need to be aware of just basic stuff like if you say you need x amount of materials in september and then you get to december and you're like no it's actually going to cost this like then you did a bad job of projecting and predicting and no one can snap their fingers and change that you that that's part of our job as professionals if we want to be treated uh if teaching artists want to be treated as professionals they also have to understand the systems in which they work and what is required all the way to making sure that those outcomes that are agreed upon uh, are set. The criteria for success are clear. Mm-hmm. If they're not clear to you, then and you walking into the room you and might it's as not well cl- be calling it enrichment. Yeah, for real. <laughs> if 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 you're working for an organization and they have desired outcomes and you were in the meeting and they're like, this is what we're doing, and then you get in the room and you don't achieve that, you know, you don't necessarily take the hit for that. But there's somebody somewhere who's going to be somebody's accountable. So the accountability, uh, you know, the t- TAs need to have accountability for the organizations mm-hmm. that they work for. 
and uh, and an adult awareness of what the not-for-profit industry is. It's a business like any other business. Things cost money. You can't get mad at an, an organization that's not providing you what you need if you didn't tell them what you didn't need. And you can't expect things to turn on a dime, especially the larger the organization gets. There are budget cycles, et cetera. Mm. And I think we as administrators fail to understand sometimes that our TAs have nine jobs yeah. and we didn't sit down and really make it clear. And it, so as I look back over my career and the mistakes that I've made, yeah. that's one of them is like making sure everybody knows w w what's at stake yeah. and what success l actually looks like and having real strong agreement on, on that. Um, I think Nuvik does a fantastic job of doing that, obviously. Uh, but there are other organizations that, that do not in which some of the knowledge is held only in the hand of the administrator mm. um, and never the twain shall meet. Um, administrators that don't go into classrooms actually go into classrooms frighten me. You know, there are people who have programs out in the field and it's not possible that they can see what's happening in their classrooms because there are too many. All right. And that's just ridiculous. I mean, I'm thinking of organizations, I'm thinking of situations in which you have people that have thousands of students and hundreds of classrooms and more people in their development office than they do in their administrative office. And you're like, who is doing quality control? Who could possibly be doing quality control in that context? Mm. It goes right back to my other thing about like standards for what enrichment should look like. It's like observation and assessment is the most important thing, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of that, that intimate relationship between the main office and what is happening in the field and what that process looks like has been, m is my professional obsession because you need an evaluation that is, uh, that's set up an evaluative process that's set up to first focus on assessment and on um, the, the, the practical de decisions that have to be made to make sure that the work is, is going in the right direction mm -hmm. um, before you start grading it. And what we do is we just throw people into the pond and then look at the end and be like, well, this hit it, this hit the mark, this didn't. And you really have no idea what happened before. So like, you know, where I am now, we have at least three observations over the course of a project and conversations about what is going on mm. is what we're, you know, that's what we're trying to do. And uh, that costs money. Um, so in all these spaces, there has to be an acknowledgement that this work is way more intensive and it might cost more than w what somebody who is outside of the business uh, can understand. They don't know that you need that team meeting. Uh, they don't. They don't see the value in it. They don't see the value in doing things that can better ensure that the work is good, right? You and and administrators have to justify all these spaces for doing work that will, in the long run, ensure th that we hit our marks, but in the short run, look like they're unnecessary. Uh, so having teaching artists observe other teaching artists is more expensive, but it's actually more effective because they understand what is happening and their job, their, their, their role there and their, their, their power there is to help improve the work, which is what we all want. So you may as well pony up for that kind of, of work if you want to get better outcomes. So you've worked in New York City. Yes. You've worked in many places. You yes. were in San Francisco for a while. I was. And Maryland, right? Yeah. Baltimore? Yeah. In Baltimore, um, and Center State. 
at Summer Stage and you worked many places within New York City. That's right. So you just talked about where you work now. Uh-huh. Where are you working now? Right now? Mm-hmm. Am I allowed to talk about it? You tell me. I am director of engagement and education at Pier 55, which is uh, a new public park that is being built off the West Side Highway. Um, it is in uh, proximity to Chelsea and the West Village. And uh, our three key words right now are engage, educate, and employ. So we have school programs and community partnerships that help uh, young people and adults engage with and create works of public art. And we have a youth development and workforce development program. And we're going on, I think we've had, this is our third cohort of interns have been working there since June. So third cohort of youth workers. Um, they get paid to work in an office uh, 20 hours a week. Um, they uh, have a curriculum uh, that looks at leadership, financial literacy, communication, and public art and public space, and they get experiences in each of those boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do a final presentation. They commission a work of public art, which is placed in the, in the community room that, that we have to do operations. And we're leading up to the opening of the park, and it will open in 2021. 2021. And what will be in the park? Uh, in the park will be an amphitheater and a smaller performance space uh, called the Southern on the Southern side, and then a large uh, open space for a variety of, 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 of experiences to engage audiences and, and people. Um, it's primarily a public park. It's about two and a half acres of usable space and about three acres uh, of a platform that's being built. You can see it now as it rises, um, designed by Heather Wick. Uh, a beautiful structure that will be a lot of green space, um, mature trees will be planted, so it will, you know, be an instant uh, little island floating mm. uh, over the West Side Highway. That's so cool. And and I don't know much about that um, or that kind of work, like uh, published public uh, art. Um, have you had? Has your organization had any conversation about the Hudson Yards and the shed? And are you in competition, or or is it more about like what's the other the other park? There's another park what, the by highway? Chelsea Piers or the Hudson River. Oh, Hudson River Park. Yeah. So, so uh, is it, is Pier it 55 like is in Hudson River Park. We're a part of Hudson River Park. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we mm. are located in that, in that space. Mm. Um, it, it, we're not in competition with anybody. I think mm. this is very singular mm. uh, in the vision, um, which I think is about uh, creating an, a lovely space for uh, New Yorkers, for everyone to come and uh, rest and discover, mm-hmm. uh, engage with works of public art, whatever that means, um, in a variety of, of formats, and uh, to have whimsy and surprise and play. I like that. Whimsy and surprise. Yeah, it's what about the Highline? Do you all talk about the Highline at all? Is that something, again, not a comp- I'm not trying to create competition. It's more about... I'm just trying to understand what your conversations are. I know what, like when we're talking about our um, contemporaries, we know who those are yeah. for new victory. We're just, I'm just curious about that for you. And the Highline is in pro- it's adjacent. It's in proximity. Mm. Uh, I think one of the differences, I mean, just in structure, the Highline is completely different in that it's a promenade. Right. Whereas this is a park. Yeah. With whimsy. <laughs> I love that. I like that word. Whimsy and joy and play yeah so sorry the e's are empowerment Uh, engage Engage. educate employ that's my those are our departmental keywords nice to me where you are currently working as we haven't gone into all the i don't even know if i'm allowed to talk about the place where i'm working i think what you said was perfectly fine and and a nice little little plug yeah 
But I actually think that it's it's a perfect fit for you. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> because you've got you've got innovation. You've got money, it sounds like. You haven't said that here, but in some of the conversations that you and I have had, like you've got the support to build programs. Um it's it's this beautiful mix of like city uh societal structures social justice and art together um and that sort of where you know what brought you originally to new york in terms of activism is done through this you know how do we create a place where people who have hard lives can play and have whimsy in their life everybody has a hard life so it's for everyone it's for everyone and then also you said this i didn't i don't know if you said this just now on on record (laughs) but before you said something about environmental studies oh yeah so the young people in one of our programs have been working with um us and with hudson river park Mm. to do a tree survey and to take that data and then learn about uh you know what happens to sewage and runoff uh and how it impacts uh the environment and the climate the, the hudson river park um hudson river They've been taking this uh, bio, these next generation science standards. So the young people have been addressing next generation science standards, and then they've taken that work and transformed what they learned into art. So it's an arts integration. Um, They did some practical hands-on stuff where they surveyed the trees in Hudson River Park, and uh, they will share that data using an online platform. Uh, And then you can go to the exhibition which is coming up and you can use your phone or your iPad to scan a QR code and then see the slideshow that was, you know, a documentation of their process. And then the artwork that they've created is situated throughout the park and there's a map and there are artist statements attached to each of the works. And Mm -hmm. so you can look at the artwork and we're really looking at Hudson River Park, which is, as you know, this beautiful, uh, you know, landscaped and, and, you know, highly accessible to all New Yorkers or whoever. Uh, And Pier 55 is part of that. So, you know, we'll be, young people will be, have looked at Pier 55 and made a visit to the site as it's being built. And we're kind of looking toward, uh, we end the exhibition looking toward the the future site of of Pier 55 and that new public park space. Um, And this is just a seedling, a step toward building. What we want to have is that schools and community groups, all especially local residents, neighbors, Mm. will feel a sense of ownership over the park um, because they've created stuff that ends up there. And we want to build a cycle in which people are making works of public art and having convenings and and bringing their community to Mm. the park and using it in a way that the park should be used, you know, to to share and enjoy, especially during the warmer months. Mm-hmm. So it's fun. So Pier Fifty Five is that like at st- where does it start at Seventeenth? Uh, it starts below lower f- uh, f- further south. It's yeah. closer to uh, like Fourteenth Street. So oh, between okay. like if you were to walk down Fourteenth Street, uh-huh. y- you would you would hit it when you hit the river. Got it. And you can see it uh, being built. It's rising now on these very distinctive yeah. pots in the water. So so basically, you know, you said new generation which was what common core used to be called next generation uh, next generation yeah. sorry what did i just say new generation wow common core next is a next gen, gen. next gen is next gen science standards next gen. but you but everything that you just said about um 
doing uh studying trees science um taking that data and um then figuring out how to share it through film and media technology well like you know (laughs) um so it's a it's a steam Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Steam. 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 Sci- Steam. So science, science technology, technology, engineering, engineering, arts, arts and math. And, math. Yeah. Um, and civic engagement you got in there. Absolutely. Yeah. We like to do a lot of things at once. Uh, integration. Absolutely. Weaving. The braid. The synthesis. The, the braid. synthesis. The That's braid. Right. I love it. It sounds really exciting. It feels like it's a culmination of so many things that you've done in your career from Mudbone yeah. to working at the New Victory to working um at uh, several places that you've worked um uh and where was the last place that you were at center i was i was the director of engage uh of education at baltimore center stage which is the state theater of maryland mm-hmm. under the leadership of kwame kwe arma mm-hmm. obe yes yes and i got to see something that you did there did you yeah i remember shoba and i came down and you you fed us a, a lovely charcuterie and then the next morning we went and we saw the beginning of a program a literacy program oh my i do remember stories make the world was a curriculum that i wrote and sold and then we made a booklet we made a curriculum we designed a curriculum that looked kind of like an ipad and it ran young people through a storytelling program and there was a, a convocation of you know 250 middle schoolers who had written stories and they told them uh, live and they also had a video booth where you could record. There was a workshop where you could make jokes and aphorisms, and then you could go into a video booth and record them and upload them to the internet. And uh, then there was a, a room for like um, open mic. And then they all had lunch and dessert and stuff, and there was a little reception. I'd forgotten all about it. Was that last year? Um, I think it was two years ago. Yeah, I just move on. I just moved on to the no, next thing. I mean, we had a we had a great day. I'd forgotten all about it. So we went there, and then your your um, associate drove us to a Shake Shack or, or some sort of outdoor. I remember now. Um, restaurant. We had a nice time. It was a nice day, and yeah. then I did some golfing for the first time. Golf? Yes. Oh my God! I'd forgotten all about the I golfing. I still got emails from that person. Ah. <laughs> These golf balls. Yeah. So it was right on. What's that river? They were eco friendly golf balls in the. No, it was like, it's it? like the bay, the harbor, <laughs> the you know, harbor, and, yeah. you, and you harbor. could hit the golf ball. <laughs> well, I'd forgotten all about. See, that's how it is. You asked me how I am. You know what? I, I was actually wearing this dress that same day. <laughs> if you didn't remind me, I would not have. I just move on. No day like today. I forgot everything. We had so much fun. It was such a. De- it was a delightful. I had forgotten all about that. Mm-hmm. You stayed in my house. I stayed in your house. Your beautiful home. Oh my! <laughs> I had forgotten all about that. Yeah, and then we went and had crab. It's not that I'm not delighted to remember it. I just put every memory goes into a box, and I don't pull it out until I have to. Well, it's how I survive. It's how you survive. I get it. I get it. But that day was a, it was a delightful day. We went to the harbor. We had this some drinks and some food and then we were walking down um, and you went to see this class and we what you sat in a class too yeah yes we sat in the class that happened first and then we did this golf they were eco-friendly golf balls that um you, you would you know hit the balls into the harbor really and then they, they dissolved yeah and there yeah, was fish food fish. inside yeah, was, i mean what, what a smart thing so you wrote a book uh, you know, it's a scribbling. I think a lot of it is taken from things that uh, should f- look familiar to people because it's really, it was a notebook for me about like, well, what am I doing? Who am I? So, you know, I read a lot and I think I pulled a lot 
I try not to plagiarize, but I think that there is nothing in there that somebody hasn't seen before. I think what it, in some fashion, I think I do have a point of view that's expressed in it. I think the format of it expresses something of who I am that's distinctive and that it's it's borrowed. The, the style, the, it's written in a, just a collection of aphorisms are written in the style of the Yoga Sutras, mm -hmm. which is really, uh, you know, Patanjali's uh, Yoga Sutras are highly influential. This is the teaching of yoga. Yoga is the cessation of the turnings of thought. When thought ceases, the spirit stands in its true identity as observer to the world. Otherwise, the observer identifies with the turnings of thought. So it, the book is all written out like that. It's very scientific. It proposes certain things and then it breaks them down. And I tried to use that pattern uh, for this little primer. Uh, and I needed something to to gather my thoughts and you know, what what I thought this practice was. So that, you know, this is the practice of yoga, and I think that of, of, of teaching artistry. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it is a practice. It's a it's a it's a high level uh, integration of human skills, uh, uh, competencies, and understandings uh, that that takes place in a real environment. Um, it is the minute you're in a room with fifth graders or high school students or calcitrant uh, high school <laughs> students and teenagers, you lose all sense of the, you know, sense of propriety and planning and all those things that are should and all your shoulds go right out the window and you've got to do the work. Um, and I think that there is a way to be more effective in that space. And it is a combination of, of love and uh, administration and careful planning and the ability to look at a situation and it's values driven. So the ability to, if you look at, 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 at the systems that I put in there, you know, you look at a situation, uh, you analyze that situation, you make a diagnosis. Um, this is not yogic, but Greek, you know, you make a diagnosis, you make a prescription, uh, you, you, a prognosis, um, and, and then you, 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 you administer that, you, you, you take action. And the only way to do that in a variety of situations or the only way to make sure that everybody's doing that the same is to have a shared set of values about w w w uh, and uh, you know guiding principles and a, a real shared understanding of, of what your expectations are and so my book tries to lay out and make and demystify for myself and for others uh, w w what the work what it takes to do this work at a very basic level um, and it also addresses the real-life situations you know that um, inform and change the practice, which is that you're a teaching artist in America and, and you, you gotta make money. And here are the ways in which you can make money. Here's the kind of templates for forms that you could fill out, you know, that you need to have in place and the things you have to consider um, if you wanna make a living doing this. Uh, I, I like it very much. I think I am uh, very aware that I'm not a, I don't think I am a, I think I'm an, I have an unusual way of, 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 of talking and thinking sometimes, but I'm not a, I wonder if there's anything, I don't think there's anything new in my book. It's all put in, in one spot. I, I, I hope I've organized it so that it's useful for people. Mm. What's um, it, what's it called? Oh, it's, 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 it, what is it called? Uh, teaching the teaching artist sutras. sutras yeah. You know, it's, and p people are so, um, some people have said, "What's well, the Kama Sutra?" And they they'll give me a, you know a, a double sign. I'm like, "Well, you know, you really poorly read human being or underread because it, the sutra is is a is a, means a, a scripture <laughs> or a text. You know, yeah. it's not. It's just it's a collection of aphorisms, um, and it's a trying to to use the the Vedic approach to 
to thinking, which is s uh, t taking something and applying rules of, of, of science to it. So, you know, there are um, the, the, the valid means, of, for instance, the, the, the sutras will say the valid means of judgment are direct perception, inference, and verbal testimony. And then it will, in the next paragraphs, and the next aphorisms go through and define direct perception, inference, and verbal, you know, and, and it'll define everything. Error, error is false knowledge with no objective basis. You know, that's the kind of language that I think has been, is, is, is contained in the book and, is, and, and I hope is useful, mm. where, you know, I, I define the various forms of the practice. You know, you can, this, this stuff can be enrichment, it can be arts integration, uh, you know, the work can be applied, it can be training. Um, these things are all different. And knowing w what you're actually doing. Mm -hmm. People get in a room and think they're doing training. It's like, this is not training. You're not trying to train these children. <laughs> you're trying to g g get them to understand trees. <laughs> you know, you're using mm -hmm. art to help them understand trees better. Mm -hmm. And un using trees to help them understand art better. That, that's th those are the outcomes that are desired. This is not the quality of their work or whether or not they get such and such skills that that would be you need to focus on that if this were a training context it would look completely different right you know so i i use uh your your book as required reading in my teaching artist course no, that's, a that's a great honor and, and makes me embarrassed to even think about um i'm gonna tell my students to bring their books so that you can sign it I wonder. Can you still get a hard copy of it? I don't know. I don't know if they have a hard copy. But I think it's I'm digital. A, I haven't even. I have not paid attention to the publisher. I have a hard copy of it. It's here. I'm gonna make you sign they can it. Print it out. Copy it for them. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Um. But yeah, my my. I I told them last week that we have a panel of professionals coming to talk to them, and one of them is Michael Wiggins, and they all were like, <gasps> "I'm not joking." That's craziness. That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> you better own it. <laughs> <laughs> because they're reading you but i like how i like how you described it as a primer as yeah, a i don't i don't know if i was looking at it like that but i mean that's what this course is it's, it's a basic. primer yeah and the idea hopefully is that i mean i was just saying this to somebody that i need to do some i need to do some metrics i've been teaching this course now this is the ninth time i've ta taught this course and i should go back and look at you know my rosters and see how many of these people are working yes. as teaching artists, and where where are they now? Are mm -hmm. they leaders? Are they you know where, what's happening? Mm -hmm. And I will I will you do should. that at some point and get some statistics That's put right. together, and then go into salary negotiations and be like, look, <laughs> pony up, I done changed the feel for you. I mean, I'm not I'm gonna own that a little bit. Like I know people that I've taught are working at Disney, are working at a lot of really big organizations. People who are coming out of these graduate level programs doing big things are doing big. And you were their things. teacher. And I have taught whose them. fault is it? It's mine. Courtney body. Goodness great. Oh, you're something to do with it. Books that expand there there is, is better. So for mm -hmm. if I were to go back and add to 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 what I have scribbled or, or caged from other great thinkers um, is spaces that uh, we didn't know existed, um, mm. you know, five years ago, where you have the ability to interact using technology in new ways. Um, there's n nothing about that in there. You have uh, the necessity, other places have, d have, have learned of the usefulness of the teaching artist. Um, 
and have I think some of them have used them well and some have a lack of understanding of what is possible um, I don't talk a lot about museum spaces in there uh, don't talk about uh, context in which you don't know who your population is because you are placed in the middle of something and anybody could come mm. uh, we don't talk about that we're not talking about teaching we're talking about good teaching <laughs> good teaching so I can make you learn I can force you to learn certain things that are useful, useless to you. I can yell at you through learning. I can coerce you into learning. I can do all those things. Yeah. And it's totally teaching. It's just not good teaching. Effective teaching and good teaching are not necessarily the same things. People are like, oh, in my day, they didn't have to do all these dog and pony show to make me learn. And it still worked. Good for you. But did it improve the quality of your life? Really? Is did you do you really want other people to have to go through that, you know, that kind of rigmarole? Why can't we create spaces in which we have good teaching, good as in loving teaching, as mm. in teaching that is both effective, and also life affirming and joyful? Well, we choose not to. We want people to suffer. If we suffered, we feel closer to mm. creating spaces in which, if I suffered, then you should also suffer, <laughs> for this even though we don't have to, even though it's not really working. Does it make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. I mean, I, 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 it all seems so clear to me that it's not, we just don't want to do it because we're mean. <laughs> we don't want to do what? We're mean. We don't want to do what's right because we're mean. Oh, and we're mean humans? Yeah, yeah, we're hurt. Mm. we're hurt and we think other people have to you hurt too I heard and i don't know if this is actually true but somebody said to me that animals um don't experience trauma in the same way that humans because they have this shake thing that they shake their bodies and like they don't they may have trauma but it's not in their bodies the way that humans hold on to trauma and i, I taylor swift would agree what taylor swift would agree shake it off <laughs> shake it off what is happening? I have to do some research around that. Taylor should tell you everything you need to know about really? that. Yeah, shake it off. The haters gonna hate. Haters gonna hate. Shake it off. Shake it off. Yeah. So you gotta shake it off. I think trauma is a function of memory, is it? Isn't it? Mm. See, here's here's what I want to know. Is you know, trauma can be ongoing. It can be in one incident and it can have impacts that are ongoing, right? Is it that trauma um, not examined is what has the impacts continuing or so 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 i've been thinking about myself okay so like my father passing was a big deal yes and within you know just a few weeks after his passing i went straight into therapy yes and that was what i needed to do and it still took it's i mean you still live with grief like that yes. that but you figure out how you get started to build the tools for how you deal with um and strategies and methods to be able to continue forward i would dare to say that you know, had I not done that, I don't know if I would have been, I would have probably just remained in a survival mode. 
that said, even if I feel like I am at a, a more of a thriving capacity and, you know, we're all striving for that, I guess, but like that, I definitely make choices. I definitely, uh, uh, react <laughs> to certain things based off of, um, uh, other traumas or other situations or other relationships that were negative, um, when dealing with others. And I have to analyze that. Um, so my, I think what my question is, are we not giving, are we, are people who are living with trauma, are they getting enough resources to build those tools to be able to one, get to a place of thriving, not just surviving. And two, to be able to, when they have a moment of that, they're triggered, do they have enough tools, I guess, or methods to and strategies to be able to, to deal with that and not feel like they're right back where they started. No. Okay. So this, I, nobody's getting over it. Nobody's getting over it. So this idea of love and sacrifice and what I, I, I'm still trying to practice around radical healing and understanding sort of the, the framework around that from Sean Jin Wright on a personal level, it is about, I need to practice that for myself so that I have the, I have enough to give others. Sure. That's Maslow. If you, if you don't have your needs taken care of, you can't be expected to go and take care of somebody else's need, mm -hmm. especially if it's a parallel need. So if you're dealing with people with trauma and you haven't, don't have what you need to deal with your own trauma or haven't been dealt with, then no, you, you, you don't have enough reserves to go in and, 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 assist to support other people in their in their journey mm -hmm. i mean you can certainly do it but you know you're going to have to pay the price for it right you will deplete and you deplete your energy stores and you may get warped in some kind of way i think there's a lot of warping going on i think there are a lot of people who are getting used to stress positions mm. i think we're all in a stress position and 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 just in the same way you know you physically you get used to being in pain um it just becomes a part of the wallpaper or that that uh, that's what our society has done because it's a stress. The whole culture is set up as a stress position. But so so going back to your teaching, good teaching, like how do you teach good teaching? The I I have found that the course needs to do that for and understand that you know I'm not teaching you to teach like a classroom teacher. You need to learn even if you're in, even if that's going to be your yeah trajectory your career choice for this course yeah this is called the teaching artist yeah. i'm focused on the artist part yeah and the t and how you learn how to use it's like when you're running a music a program and yeah. then you realize nobody's using music but they're hitting the academic standards you're like but they didn't sing the whole thing yeah so that's you're like yeah but we had to get to the end but uh, right and yeah. so you know like i have a framework but i also have to like tailor it to the group that i'm with the the piece that i you know when i started I didn't have your book. I had a couple other resources, but it was real like slim pickings. And as more articles were coming out, more resources, more books, more texts, more blogs, you know, just more. Then it's like I'm figuring out how do I help people who are essentially emerging into the field or potentially emerging into the field understand Good teaching is good teaching. Yes. So I will show you models of good teaching. And this is in the educational theater department. So I'm using theater as the main um, art form. 
but also how do I help you understand what the, what working in populations works, looks like and what you, what you need to do for yourself, where you could potentially like what communities you could be going into and what your approaches should be when you do. And this idea of like, how do you understand the larger picture to help you to help contextualize that one space that you're going to go into, whether it's once or multiple times, you know, and that's a ho- go that's take one step back <laughs> mm. and it might be not be a space that you can control, but like some people shouldn't do this work. Yeah. It's because they just don't have it in them. And mm-hmm. what they don't have is they don't really love these people. So pick a population. And so if, if it's, if you're talking about somebody who has to work for the variety of populations and they're not allowed to define who that is, like they could end up with anybody on a certain day, you got and and they don't love people, then they shouldn't be doing this work. If you have young people who are going into a school system that's Title One or something, and it's all young people of color, and you don't truly love them, then you shouldn't be doing this work. We hear stories all the time about, you know, usually in the South, but also up here, in which you go in either to a hospital or to a classroom, and then you find out that the classroom teacher or the teacher has said something terribly racist to a child that they've been waiting to say, you know, or they posted something terrible online, you know, you got these white nationalists and stuff like that. These are the people who are teaching, quote unquote, our children. They should not be allowed anywhere near them. That should be, that that sifting needs to take place. And some of it has to be self-sifting. Like, I'm not capable. I'm not in a space where I am healthy enough to extend love to somebody who is messed up or is going to approach me in a way that feels messed up for me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not willing to sacrifice my feelings for that person. And I'm pretending that I actually care, but I don't really care. <laughs> That's just the necessity. That l- that space, you have to. You don't love their music, and you don't. If you don't love their music, or you don't love. The, if, if you don't love them, you shouldn't be doing this work, like for real. And really look at yourself, yeah. like. And you have to do that work. So we all have to do it as people, especially if you're dealing with somebody who is like that. You other. If you othered somebody, you know, then you need to be doing that work on a personal level to realize like how you got into that ism space and working on that. But once you've gotten past that point and you're like, okay, I'm willing to love, I'm willing to sacrifice my ego for this space, in this space, to do what is right. Because that's what we're talking about, isn't it? Like, why aren't you guys behaving? Why aren't you listening? Why isn't this working? You know, and you you, you, got to sacrifice your ego in that space and start looking for the solution. Mm -hmm. And you get into the room and it really is translating what love is inside into into practicalities, Mm -hmm. which are... It starts with being in the moment, not any at any time in the classroom. Can you be in the future or in the past? You have to be thinking about what is actually happening in front of you in order to address it, because anything else is going to end up warped. And if people are hurting in the room and you want to skip that step or it's not your responsibility to to, to fix it, then you can't expect that you're going to get the outcomes that you put on paper. It's just never going to happen. It's just never going to happen, and your work is wasted, and then you're just going to be mad. So it, it's simple stuff. Like, we always go back to classroom management because that really is the thing. Like, if you if they're not engaged and you can't manage room, then you can't get it done. If they're not listening, okay. So then you have to acknowledge where you are. So, I mean, I always go back to the example of they needed to sit in a circle and they skip that you know my group can't even sit in a circle well then that's what you're doing Mm -hmm. if they can't sit in a circle and you need them to sit in a circle 
then but why do we need them to sit in a circle then you that's that can be the first question if you come to the point where they have to learn how to sit in a circle or you need that kind of thing for the work because it would be unsafe for them to do it otherwise that's a good reason like they have to be able to sit in a circle because we're going to try to do something physical here and i can't do that unless i can't create a context that's safe unless i can trust that they can do right but you have to come in and set you it is our responsibility to meet them where they are if they can't sit in a circle then whatever you're trying to do in that circle is likely not going to work so what can you do that will be incremental steps to get to building a circle so you start at the desks sure and you get them to do one small thing and you okay let's see if they can do that again okay they did it again okay can we and you get them to buy into like here's where we're trying to get to yes this is where we're starting a lot of people don't want to do that work according because they can't they got 12 sessions and that would take three so now i'm why not let's stick with three let's but that then then there's something then the then the system is broken like that we yes we have a plan that goes in we happen to work in space in most of the schools that we work with where we can create the circle and if we can't then we have to meet them where they are yep. and we can still hit those goals yep. there it's just going to look different it's than what's written different. on paper exactly we can still do some puppetry we but can you can also and people make this choice all the time you can also just stand in front of the room and scream call people animals Ugh. and ask why they're doing this and blah 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 no and it's, say it's there's us. no or you we, could pull out all together and say you know what we can't work in this situation because they can't do blah 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 mm-hmm. so yeah it's what you've described is a tactic that i think is, a, I is an effective is an effective tactic I, I don't know if I would have said this, you know, 10 years ago, to be honest with you. Like, I'm thinking about the school that we went into. Like, we never put them in a circle because we knew that they couldn't handle it. Right. They were always at their desks. Right. But what if you get into, especially in later grades, where it's like, that circle is a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just have, they have to do something. Your job is to, I mean, we've got standardized exams. Mm-hmm. So we practice, I mean, in that space, I'm practicing radical compliance. Right. So the system means, needs them to, they have to do this. So and my job is to find out a way that they can. Mm-hmm. And I got to pull out all the stops and I can't put it, whatever it is. I think my main, my, the main takeaway that I have for myself is you can't put it on them. Yeah. Meeting them where they are doesn't mean blaming them. M- meeting them where they are means, okay, well, how are we going to adjust mm-hmm. to, 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 to be a, a, a support for their, for their forward movement mm-hmm. in whatever direction they want to go, need to go, have to go. And r- r- what happens now in so many spaces is that, um, I hate to use this phrase, you know, the, 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 the low expectations thing, the, 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 what do they call it? The ism of low expectations, the poverty of low expectations, or the, 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 Deficit model. the racism of low expectations, oh. you know, that we're like, oh, well, they can't do it. And it's their fault. There's nothing we can do. So blaming, blaming the victim, the victim mm. in that space, you know, saying our young p- t- classroom teachers will tell it to you. Teaching artists will say it like they just mm-hmm. can't do it because mm-hmm. they're not capable of doing it. But that's X, the y, deficit model. That's an absolute deficit model. But there's also a certain there's a level of if we look at a lot of practitioners, if you keep skimming the surface, mm. if you take that that blade and slice down, you realize there's an anger there mm. and a dislike of the scissors. They don't really l- l- love those the person that they're working with 
they are mad at that person. They are resentful of that situation. And they're, they're not operating from a place of love and understanding in that spot. That happens to us when we get in a room and we know that X, Y, and Z has to get done and because of what the student is giving or not giving back, Mm. we're not able to get there. We make false choices to address that situation and we don't stop to examine how it really makes us feel and how, how it's making us feel might be covered up we're like, oh, well, I'm, I, I really love, you know, these children. But it comes out. Mm. And it, how, how does it come out? It comes out when people go back to the office and start talking about them in certain ways. Mm. It comes out when you look into people's Facebook pages and they're talking about their students and how much they hate them and calling them names. Mm. It comes out when people are talking about, like, valuing personal responsibility over you know, well, it's, it's like it's up to them if they don't want to learn. They don't want to learn. You know, that's like that is a f- that is not as useful as evaluating the situation or assessing the situation and coming up with real moves to that can address the the pathologies in the room. And I think a part of the problem is that we don't give people enough training to identify p- the, you know the the, the w- what the the pathologies at work the 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 negative uh negativities in a room um we don't give people the tools to address the individual's trauma or the group trauma we don't even acknowledge the fact in certain situations that this generational trauma or uh unnamed and again we we'll go right back to the main one I'm you know the main idea of 400 years you know and the impact of 400 years of oppression and low scores or low academic achievement uh in 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 title one spaces and spaces that are that are primarily occupied by young people of color in which failure is a is a is a given is totally not the result of their necessarily their individual choices but of the huge things outside Mm -hmm. and you send people who care you know like there are a lot of people who enroll in these programs to train as a teaching artist they have no personal experience with the people that they are serving Mm -hmm. they don't look like the people that they're serving and they haven't done any real work around that Mm -hmm. and then you expect these positive outcomes and you're never going to get them you've seen teachers harden over the years and start to make decisions about how they are they're doing the work that are self-protective but still haven't solved the problem I mean, I'm, oh my, we've been talking a long time. You don't have to wrap it up. Welcome to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. <laughs> this is Michael Wiggins, the guest, signing off. Oh, wow, you're wrapping up uh, on me? Um, it's 427. But you're wrapping up? Absolutely. I'm wrapping wow. up the show uh, <laughs> so, for so, and with you. Yeah, so no, here, you it's your couple show. things. No, it's, it's do good. Do what you need you're to right. do. I, I was just trying to see how, how long I could stretch this till. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even we've we've talked about everything and we nothing. Ha- and you're right, we haven't even scratched the surface. I'll I'll we come back. We talked a lot about a lot though. That's good. Michael Wiggins. Courtney Body. You're everything. It's right back at you. Shall we sing a duet? <laughs> <laughs>
what should I be saying? And whatever you like. I don't I don't know what you know. You're the one that I want. And the one that I want. You're the one that I want. Honey. Wait, who's Danny Zuko? I'm I who can say? <laughs> we can we can share the part. It's dual casting. All right. This is this how it ends? I don't know the words. I don't know either. I'm just loving you right now. <laughs> okay. I thank you for for coming all the way to the other side of the park. Thank you. It's been fun. It's been really great. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't want to end. No, you hang up. You hang up. <laughs> thank you for listening to episode 27, act two of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body, Michael Wiggins, Shifting Systems with Rigor and Love, Join us next time for a conversation with Maura O'Malley and Ed Friedman of Lifetime Arts. Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the creative content manager. Brandon Hutchinson is the media arts coordinator. John L. Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org. Follow us on Twitter at TA underscore artistry and on Instagram at teachingartistry with CJB. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud, subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now. Ooh.